Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Alright Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. The kids showed the raw right on the night as Elliot and Bicetic shun at Molyneux. We'll get into the Reds booking the place in the FA Cup fourth round before turning our attention to Jürgen Klopp's thousandth game of management as Chelsea head to Anfield. Here to dissect all that is James Pearce and Kiefer O'Neill. Usually we begin with me asking for three words. James, are yours didn't have KFC by any chance? <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy to report, Tony, that my body was a temple on that journey back from Molyneux. Um, no, it was uh, it was just saying what we all needed, wasn't it? After the the abject misery of recent weeks, when this podcast has felt felt like a self help group more than anything else, it's always been one of those, James. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, I think I think the three words I'd go for is injection of positivity. Uh, any three from you, Kiva? Because, like, you know, I mean, it wasn't that great, was it? I'm sort of tempted on a nice win or a normal performance. Just, it was very controlled. Liverpool won one nil. Something we haven't seen them do for a while. It feels like just see out the game in a nice sort of easy, controlled way. Everyone on the pitch looked good. There were, you know, impressive performances all over the pitch. It was just nice. Yeah, well, I'm going to go for the 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 great Al Davis because we're in NFL playoff time of the the Raiders, and you know his favorite phrase, "Just win, baby," and uh, and that's what they have to do, and especially when they're youngsters, aren't they? The the performance of the kids was good, wasn't it, James? It was, yeah, 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 yeah. and 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 I know a few people have said to me, "Oh, you know, come on, don't get carried away," you know, rode a luck a bit late on, and. You know, it was it was far from polished, but then it was like, come off it. What do you expect with the team that Klopp fielded, and and just the general malaise that's been been around the place? I think recently that that was certainly beyond my expectations. It was a gamble of sorts from Klopp to make eight changes because he must have known in the back of his mind that you know if it had gone wrong, you just invite more criticism, don't you? He's had it previously in his time at Liverpool, you know, disrespecting the FA Cup, all the rest of it, and, you know, putting all your eggs in the top four basket, you know, best hope of silverware, you know, the real, you know, most realistic one gone. So, yeah, he showed a lot of faith in those young players. And the great thing for me was it was repaid handsomely on the night. So, you know, do you know what? I just think there was, there was lots of like little feel-good stories, wasn't there? You know, Harvey Elliott, who I think's come in for some really unfair criticism in the last few months. People completely forgetting the fact we're talking about a 19-year-old kid who's you know been asked to learn a completely new role playing in centre midfield. You know, he, all his football as a kid was as a right-sided attacker, and back in that natural position, you know, he looked so much more comfortable, didn't he? And um, and you know, the one criticism with Harvey Elliott, which I think he'd agree with himself, is you want to see more unproduct, you want to see more goals and assists. 
And he certainly did that with it. You know, it was a stunning strike. Milner to his right. He went alone. Oh, what a strike. Harvey Elliott with his fifth goal for Liverpool to give the FA Cup holders the lead. Besetic, for, for me, was probably the standout performer. I think he gave, you know, Liverpool's midfield that kind of bite and energy and dynamism that they've They've missed so often um, this season. And I, I, I love how fearless he is. Hard to believe he's still only 18, you know, only his ninth senior appearance. But that felt like a huge step forward for him. Um, and I wasn't surprised that he was cramping up and had to come off late on because of the shift he, he put in. And obviously he's not a kid anymore, but you'd have to reserve some words of praise for Naby Keita as well because you know, he may well, you know, well, he certainly does divide opinion. But that was a, you know, a really, really important performance from him. First start for him since last May, I think it was. So, yeah, plenty of food for thought for Klopp when he's considering a lineup for Saturday. Yeah, I mean, when we saw the team, you know, I had me pitchfork and me torch ready to storm Anfield. And, you know, and, um, well, actually I didn't, but lots of people did. And Kiva, Keita in particular is interesting. I mean, he's playing for his next club, isn't he? You know, he's playing for his next move. But if he can help them get near the top four, I mean, it'll just be a, a positive one. I think it's an interesting one with Naby Keita because when he gets going, you're like, okay, this is a midfielder. But we've hardly really seen those times from him because he gets injured and then, you know, then he has to sort of rebuild himself and then get back. And then, you know, you, you see them glimpses like the performance against Wolves. The hope is now that he can just continue and take this, you know, take Liverpool's midfield by storm and be the one to be, you know, that player in there. I thought Thiago was absolutely excellent, you know, with the younger legs, I guess, next to him of Stefan Bersetic. I think Naby Keita is such a talented footballer, but you don't always see it. I think if we can get him on a good run here, it'll be absolutely beneficial to Liverpool. And I guess, you know, his, his contract is coming to an end. He doesn't quite, you know, is he staying, is he going? That's up in the air, isn't it, for now? But I think, you know, it'll be important for, for Liverpool if he can have a really solid uh, run towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's important we clarify for the re- uh, for the listeners that this Naby Keita conversation was recorded months ago and we're just playing as on repeat. Um, no, but uh, with, <laughs> so Chelsea on Saturday, can they rely on teenagers against, you know, a big six team, although Chelsea aren't looking very big six, are they? Personally, I think Keita has to start. I think, you know, as long as, long as he's fit, I, I, I just think with his his kind of experience as well, just with just with the extra legs, I think that gave Liverpool in there as in in that department. I don't see how you can leave Cater out. I think Bassetic is a little bit different because he is so much younger. He also, you could see, was you know absolutely spent physically after 70, 75 minutes the other night. But it would be crazy to just revert back to the midfield three that started at Brighton last weekend because. That those players that were given opportunities the other night couldn't have done any more in terms of in, enhancing their claims to to start against Chelsea. So um, for, for me, Cater has to start. I think Bassetic or Fabino is is, a, is I think that's a really tricky one to call it. You know, I, part of me thinks I'd love to see him back Bassetic to shine in such a big game, and I and I think from what we've seen from him so far, I don't think it would phase him because he seems to have a you know a lovely mentality to him, but. Let's not get away from the fact it is a big step up playing against Chelsea despite their indifferent result. Yeah, I mean, Giva, it, it's probably the the least 
threatening Chelsea have been for a long while in the sense of the results and things not being right there. I mean, do you get the sense that they're going through a similar sort of um, experience that Liverpool went through when Fenway took over? American owners come in, they think they're cleverer than everyone else in in the league, and suddenly, you know, they they, they find out that they're not. And it seems to be so similar, the experience to, you know, 2010, 2011, and to a certain extent, 2012. Uh, you know, it, there's a long way to go for Chelsea to come out of this. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Chelsea because new owners is always interesting what kind of model it's going to be. And Chelsea, we know, have always spent money, you know, for, for a long time now and they're continuing to do that. So that really hasn't changed. I guess it's bringing in some surprising players that you like signing Mudrick ahead of Arsenal, which, you know, not many people expected. I think for Chelsea, Graham Potter was brought in after obviously Thomas Tuchel left the club and it was like, you know, this is the manager for the future for a few seasons, but the pressure at Chelsea to win is so high that, you know, everyone was kind of being like, what are they going to do? And then obviously they beat Crystal Palace 1-0, that alleviates a little bit of the pressure. And I still think they should stick with Graham Potter going forward because, you know, you, you only have to look at the Brighton team he's left behind and how incredible they're playing to know what kind of impact he can have and, you know, what a good manager he is. I think it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, get out of this period. But Liverpool are sort of on a similar path to them. You know, these are the two teams, I think, maybe you'd put Tottenham in there on their day as well. Obviously, just got beat by Arsenal, which brought them down a little bit. They're the three sort of top six sides that are are struggling this season to act like top six sides at all times. You know, no one would have expected Liverpool to be this far down the table and so many points off Arsenal. Obviously, you know, the well behind Man City are the main rivals. No one expected this to happen ahead of the season. We were all we were all like, you know, sixty game sixty three game season, season before Liverpool are gonna, you know, go again, you'd imagine. No one can't say anyone really predicted this slumping performances and this hangover, even though looking back and thinking, well, they went through all that and all the circumstances around it, you know, injuries, different things. We've chatted about it a lot. I think no one really would have predicted Liverpool to be to be playing like they are. So I think to see that Wolves performance the other night, it just sort of, you know, dragged them out of that slump a little bit but we've we've seen that before the big game now is obviously against Chelsea and it's two teams who are trying to you know fight the way out of of poor performances and a, a poor season so far and James that brings up the takeover conundrum I was told last night that there is no buyer by someone who if they're wrong, I'll faint. And, you know, you've been getting um, getting a lot of stick on social media because apparently you told a load of children that there's no further Christmas and you told a lot of <laughs> Liverpool fans that there are no Qatari buyers. You know, it's, um, yeah, where are we with the takeover? <laughs> well, yeah, essentially, I think, you know, your information is the same as mine, Tony, that things haven't particularly moved on. That's from That's the feedback I've had from... The various different people I've spoken to, that was what led to writing that story yesterday morning because the, the kind of Liverpool Twitter went into meltdown, didn't it, on Sunday night into Monday with all this talk about uh, a Qatari consortium being on the brink of buying the club and, and how you know, the deal was virtually done and all the rest of it. So checked all that out and you know the, the, the messages and the details were the same coming back from various different different places that, um, you know, for a start, 
Liverpool certainly aren't on the brink of being sold to Qatar. They're not on the brink of being sold to anyone at the moment. And that what we now two months, I think, just maybe two and a half months into this process, when you know, obviously, our colleague David Ornstein revealed back in early November that that Liverpool had had made this kind of active push to search for new investment and were open to the idea of a full sale. And and that's still the case. You know, people some some people struggle to grasp the fact you can only report on what is true at this moment in time. And of course, you know, if someone sticks four billion pound on the table next week, you know, the situation could look incredibly different. But as things stand at the minute, not close to to a deal with anyone and they're edging more and more I've been told to selling a minority stake initially rather than a full takeover. So, you know, that could be 10, it could be 15%, could be 20%. But of course, everything will be dictated by what kind of offers come in. But I think, you know, what we can take as red is that, you know, there's there's no, there's not going to be some quick, you know, swift end to this. I don't, you know, I don't think that was ever realistic from the start anyway. This was a long process. And it's not like, I think the other thing is, it's not like FSG are like, desperately trying to cash in their chips and let's just take whatever's on the table and we can run this for them was about dipping their toe in the water really and especially I think on the back of Chelsea being sold um seeing what's out there and um that process is still still ongoing so um it it just reminded me the last couple of days that people don't like hearing what they don't want to hear it's the um is I think is the the big takeaway from it the Deloitte Money League is out this week and Liverpool have moved up to third above Man United for the first time seventh last year up to third and one of only three clubs to make 100 million euros in match day revenue do you think there'll be any buyers out there Kiva who see the money league and go oh yeah we'll have a bit of Liverpool because I'm not so sure there are I think you know whoever buys Liverpool will be needing what about four billion if they do buy Liverpool and then obviously as James has reported, maybe it is just a stake in the club. So how much will that cost? So, you know, there will be buyers out there. I think they probably do look at the, you know, track record of the club, the success. And, you know, you have to look at what FSG have done, the net spend and all that kind of stuff, you know, selling to buy most of the time, balancing the books. I think, you know, incoming buyers or incoming, you know, shareholders will will look at all that. And I guess, you know, to climb higher than Man United, which is, you know, something Liverpool would like to do in the Premier League table. Isn't always a bad thing, is it? But I am interested in just listening to James chat there and I did did want to ask him and I guess yourself, Tony, like over the years on covering Liverpool and you do get those messages, like how do you switch off, I guess, or like how do you feel about it? Because like I was looking yesterday, James, your name is trending and people are like being being not so nice on Twitter. Like how have you have you handled that? Uh, yeah, it, do you know what? It is an interesting one because, like, when I think back to, you know, obviously, when I when I trained as a journalist, the the I it just wasn't even it just wasn't even a thing, was it? Like, obviously, social media hadn't been invented. You know, occasionally, if, you know, you might see a letter in the letters column with someone writing in, fuming over what you'd written. I think there, there was much more of a buffer back then with social media. It has changed it massively, and it's definitely got worse. I think. It's become an absolute cesspit, Twitter especially. When I think back 10, 11 years, I used to quite enjoy using Twitter. And I'd, you know, and I found it as, you know, sometimes it would actually be a decent sounding board for judging opinion, which again, sounds utterly ridiculous now. You know, and I would, you know, go through my mentions and I'd think, you know, do you know what? You know, 
liaise with people. And, you know, and that's, I think the other thing is that absolutely no problem whatsoever with people disagreeing. It'd be very boring if we all had the same thoughts on everything. But it's, yeah, the abuse has just, it's just absolutely gone off the scale. And, you know, I'd like to think I've got a pretty thick skin and you just become, I think, immune to it over time. But yeah, you, I'd be lying if I said it didn't get me down occasionally. I now pretty much avoid my mentions unless... You know, I, I might have a quick look maybe once a day or twice a day, which is a shame, really. But the thing I found as well is there's so many people now that it's just impossible to even have a rational, reasonable exchange with. Like, like you just like you, I just you know, I sometimes have to tell myself when because when, when someone's putting out completely incorrect information, because that was that was the thing yesterday. That you see, like you know, Pierce is a liar. Look at this. <laughs> look at this link from from February 2018. It says here that Liverpool are not going to break the bank for Allison. And I, and I'm thinking, mate, if you really wanted to find something I got wrong, it wouldn't be that difficult. I'm not perfect. I've made lots of mistakes over the last 23 years as a journalist. I said, but that's no. That that was February 2018 when Roma were asking 90 million pounds for Allison. Like at least at least read it and like. Liverpool ended up buying Allison six months later for f- sixty-five million, and it was like, you know, if only I had the crystal ball in the February to say um, it's, it's okay. You know, Roma are going to take twenty-five million quid off the asking price in six months, and also, you know, sorry to tell you, well, Carrius is going to have a meltdown and chuck two in in the Champions League final, so it's going to have to become a massive priority. So yeah, sometimes you just have to like tell yourself, just walk away and 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 just. Put your phone down and don't get involved. And yeah, it just baffles me what what would possess. And it, this is and it's a reaction to like just a factual news story. Like it's not it's not even like I wrote a column saying you know FSG are absolutely perfect for Liverpool. You know what are people moaning about? It was literally a factual news story to say reports about Qatar being on the brink of buying the club are not true. Yet um, people see fit <laughs> to get in contact to. Yeah, it's just some very, very strange people. Yeah, no, it's it, it's toxic, and um, and the best thing you can do is stay away from it. And um, anyway, next we'll get on to Jurgen Klopp's latest managerial landmark as Chelsea head to Liverpool for his thousandth game as a manager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Change from doubter to believer. Two goalkeeping errors tonight by Carriers have cost Liverpool so dear in the Champions League final. Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about. Six. Back on top in England. And for the very first time, the pride of the Premier League. I'm the normal one, maybe if you want this. Tony Evans here with James Pearce and Kiefer O'Neill with Walk On from the Athletic. So, a thousand games in management for Jürgen, 411th in charge of the Reds. Well, did you envisage him 
being here that long when he arrived, Kiva? I can't say it did because he, you know, was it seven years at mine, seven years at Dortmund. You kind of imagined it would be the same. But obviously we know his contract's longer now, so he's going to be staying around for a bit. I think, you know, just having Jürgen Klopp at Liverpool was just the most exciting thing at the start and has been, you know, a real journey of excitement, I guess, throughout. But it just felt like, oh, Liverpool finally have a manager who gets them. It just felt like a long time to have someone that just, like, Jürgen, for me, like, understands the city, the people, and that's a really big part of the job. Not saying managers before didn't get that because, obviously, there were some who, who definitely did. It just felt like this perfect match, like a match made in heaven. And, you know, when he, he walked in the, the door in October 2015 and what he's gone on to achieve at the club, all right, then not in the best spell at the minute. And he's, you know, potentially looking at a, a rebuild, you know, over the next few months. And a, the squads aren't quite, you know, the, the squad they were last season, the, play, the players aren't performing to that level, which is, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think, you know, what Jürgen's, won at Liverpool and guided them to do and the people he's brought in along the way, the players, the you know, the management style, the the football, you know, that heavy metal football, the four three three, you know, just pressing teams into obscurity, winning games comfortably, winning a lot of games, having a crazy record at Anfield, winning trophies, three Champions League finals, obviously lots of other finals along the way. He's won every single thing you can win. How could you look back at Jürgen Klopp's time at Liverpool? I think maybe the only criticism would be that more than one Premier League title would have would have been nice. But, you know, there's there's plenty of time for that. You'd imagine it's not going to happen this season now. But Liverpool fans will be dreaming next season that something something can happen because, you know, it's the number 20 and, you know, level and Man United the, is, you know, I think in the back of every fan's mind, isn't it? You know, you make the point there, Kiva, about him... Um, you know, connecting with the city and all that. I was talking to him about that, and it was interesting. He said, like, I didn't realise any of this. He said, like, um, and I didn't realise the status of a manager, you know, in Liverpool history. You know, he said, of course, I knew about Shankly and knew about Dalglish, but I didn't realise what, what you know, sort of figures they were. He said, no, if I would have, I probably wouldn't have took the job. And it, it's interesting that he... He had no conception when he arrived, did he, of what he might mean, James? He he he, he came into it just another job and found out it was he dovetailed with it perfectly. Yeah, I, I think I remember at his unveiling, he he talked about himself as being a football romantic, didn't he? And I think I think what did attract him to Liverpool was just the project ahead of him, the chance to go somewhere and and build something and put a club that had fallen on pretty hard times back at the top. But yeah, I remember being outside the Hope Street Hotel on the day when the people carrier that he was in swept round the corner and obviously he stayed there that night before his unveiling and you know, and the, seeing the hundreds and hundreds of people there to, to greet him. And, and although, you know, although I've kind of admired his work at Dortmund, I must admit, I walked back to the Echo offices that day thinking, you know, how can this fella possibly live up to this? Like he... I'd, I'd never known a univ- uh, like a, a managerial appointment be so universally acclaimed and welcomed. And you thought, you know, with that comes a lot of pressure as well. But yeah, I think that connecting with the people, that's one of his biggest strengths. Isn't it? And, and it's, that is why he is just so well suited to Liverpool, because when you're the manager, you're not, you're not just a coach of the players, are you? You know, fans look to you 
as you know you're, you're a figurehead you're someone they put on a pedestal they want you to you know you've got a duty as a Liverpool manager to fight for their for them and, and not just on the pitch but off it and defend Liverpool when people are having a pop at, at the club and the city and everything else and and yeah that's why he's he's just fitted like a glove hasn't he and when you know it's and it is ridiculous what he has achieved and I know we're in a, a slump at the moment but sometimes you do have to take a step back and and just think where Liverpool were at when he walked in you know that that slide into mid-table mediocrity after you know the high of 13-14 and nearly won in the league under Rodgers and then how the wheels came off you know and, and the fact that you know he didn't do it with some bottomless pit of cash he slowly created something and it evolved into this you know unbelievable machine that this certainly given me some of the best days of my life. It, you know, it does make me laugh when you see people kind of saying, "Oh, you know, only one Premier League, only one Champions League," and that you know, it's, it wasn't that long ago when if someone had said to me, "You'll only you'll only ever get to see Liverpool win one Premier League and one Champions League," I'd have probably taken that because if those kind of targets felt felt a long, long way off. And he's done it in a an era of Pep Guardiola at Man City as well, which I think makes them trophies even more special. You know, even if they did miss out yeah. on the last day last season and before that as well, to win in the era of Pep Guardiola at Man City, I think, you know, in 10, 20 years, we'll look back and think, what a job. That's absolutely nailed on. And I don't think anyone will have a context, really, to put the, the that title win particularly in until, we, as you say, we're a decade down the line and we see the effect of the sports washing money, you know, what Klopp's done is he's taken them from, you know, from really in, in a position. I, I spoke to someone at Man City back in 2015 and I said, you know, the way things are going, I said, like, you know, you, you're you going to win the league five times in a row. You know, it's unprecedented. You know, we, we thought three times in a row was something else, but five times. And he said to me, we're building to win 10 times in a row. And that's what Klopp's had to face. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the key moments, I think for me, I think for obvious for me, for me, as if like I'm the only one who thinks this. But obviously with the big money signings, I think Van Dyke and Allison in particular, because they just change, you know, sometimes for all Fenway Sports Group's ideas, you know, buy young players, develop them and improve them, look for value, analytics. Sometimes all you need to do is buy the best player available for the price that's being asked. And they did that. For those two players, and all of a sudden they took off. But you know, actually getting Fenway to trust a manager to do things like that is a huge is a huge deal, isn't it, James? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, and I think, but I think that's why that relationship between Klopp and the owners has been so positive for the club because I think that they were big, big fans of him from way before he got the job, and then they would have appointed him prior to that point in in 2015 if if they could have got him so i think i think there was always that belief amongst the ownership that yeah this guy ticks all the boxes and and then of course with his body of work then over over all the months and years that followed you know that just enhances that trust and faith and like knowing that he's got the knowledge and and i think yeah you can't you can't get away from van dyke and allison being you know the the real triggers to take Liverpool to the next level, and you, you know, you'd have to say there was probably a little bit of fortune, you know, wrapped up in that in terms of Barcelona being willing to pay 
such an obscene amount of money for Felipe Coutinho because, um, you know, without that Coutinho injection of cash, you know, we might have seen, I think we probably have seen one of Van Dijk or Alisson, certainly probably not both of them. So, yeah, you'd have to say they're the two most transformative signings in, in the Premier League era for Liverpool. But, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is you just look at look at all the other players that he's developed and taken to the next level, like Andy Robertson from relegated Hull, Jeannie Wijnaldum from relegated um, Newcastle. You know, you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, Matip didn't cost a penny. You know, and, and then the, the front three of Salamane, Firmino that you know that gave us so many incredible nights. Shrewd recruitment, and of course that's not all been down to Klopp. I think he would be the first to kind of tip his hat to. To Michael Edwards in those early years of his reign and Barry Hunter and Dave Fallows for the work on the recruitment side because it was very much a collaborative effort. But yeah, as good as that recruitment was, it still needed a very special personality and tactician to take those players to the next level. And Klopp, Klopp has been that man. Well, you talk about the collaborative effort, which it is, definitely. And you've got to give praise everywhere it's due. But collaborating with Brendan Rodgers, you get Emery Jan and you get Markovitz. Uh, you know, it's Klopp signals a different direction. And what's really interesting, he's given more than twice as many debuts to teenagers than any other Liverpool manager. We're in a rebuilding period again. And... You know, his, you know, we mentioned it before that it, it, he's not only looking to bring players in, the right players, and obviously we're in the transfer window, but he's also looking to maximise the value of the academy, isn't he, Kiva? Yeah, and you you just have to look at a player like Trent Alexander-Arnold and his career since, you know, Jurgen Klopp gave him his debut and trusted him and coached them and, you know, the academy had done their work and, you know, Jürgen plucked them, took them to the first team and made them into the player that he is, you know, helped make him into the player that he is anyway. And, you know, there have been a lot of those stories, likes of Curtis Jones is a similar one and, you know, the, the trust of Klopp and I think, you know, he, he is willing to take risks in games and play younger players. We've seen that against Wolves. But also, like, you know, he really believes in them as well. And every time you speak to a young player and you, I think I spoke to Tyler Morton a, a couple of months back and, you know, I was like, what was it like making your debut? And, you know, what the Klopp say to you? And, you know, I think he come on against Arsenal last season and he said, he just said, you know, go out there and, and show everyone what you can do. It's like that trust. And, you know, you expect that from every manager. But I think, you know, these young players really look up to Klopp and then to be given a chance to play for him is incredible. And, you know, he has, he has used these teenagers, young players. I think he's had to at times because of, I guess, recruitment. We're looking at the minute and, you know, Bad Setic, would he be getting... Um, this opportunity had Liverpool's midfield been, you know, firing all season. Perhaps not, but you know, Klopp is is willing to take that chance on these young players, and you know, it can it can have that effect of a Trent Alexander-Arnold, can't it? Which is, I think, been nice to see over the course of his time at Liverpool that you know he, he will give these players a go. Uh, we've been nice about him for too long. Let's face it. <laughs> lose against Chelsea and we're going to be calling for his head well no actually we're not but some of the lunatics on social media will be but the 10 points are fourth place and they need to start making up ground and uh, amazingly because it feels to me like they've had an, an element of success over the years against Chelsea during the Klopp era but he's won just 6 and 19 meetings with them you know drew 9 you know and only lost 4 but this is this is a well every game's a must win game at the moment isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must admit that that record against Chelsea did did surprise me as well. And um, yeah, I think I think what we know is that certainly one of these clubs, and at the moment, probably both of them are going to miss out on the top four this season. And both of them are are in desperate need of like a launch pad to try and propel themselves up and try and reduce that gap, which makes Saturday all that much bigger. Chelsea have looked really vulnerable you know I watched I watched them um the other week against Fulham and you thought you know you, you know you'd like to think this is a good time to be playing them but then again Liverpool have looked equally vulnerable as well and Chelsea are probably saying the same thing about coming to Anfield on Saturday so um so yeah I think the big thing is as much as yes it was only a third round FA Cup replay win in midweek I think it will have just changed the mood around the place and he has to he has to try and build on that because you know he he deserves all the praise that we've given him earlier on in the podcast but you'd also let's not forget you know he is currently in the midst of for me his most challenging spell in seven and a half years at the club and you know he, some of that has been way way beyond his control with the injuries and I think the physical and mental hangover from a 63 game season last year and you know the lack of investment you know should more should have been done to strengthen that squad before a board being kicked this season. But, you know, also, ultimately, as he admitted himself this week, Liverpool have been underachieving on a big scale. And yes, you can point to the players that are missing, but, you know, also the the names on the team sheet are, are, are much better than what's been served up. And Liverpool have lost their identity, everything we've come to admire about a Klopp team, the, the intensity, the tempo, the control, the aggression has been missing in recent performances prior to midweek. It feels like a really, really big day at Anfield. And, you know, of course, there's been much, much bigger games against Chelsea over the years. And it's it's kind of hard to believe that, what is it? Is it ninth against tenth, I think, in the Premier League, this one? You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have predicted that when you were looking at this fixture a few months back. But yeah, it, it does feel big because, you know, I think another setback and you can just, I think, completely write off top four win, then it just gives you something to build on, especially with a full week then to prepare for the return to Brighton in the FA Cup. Yeah, drew all four meetings last year and won the League Cup and obviously the FA Cup on penalties. It's going to penalties on Saturday, I'm certain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm gone. Uh, anyway, you listen to Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pearson, and Kiefer O'Neill. 
To finish off, we're going to have a quick five aside. The theme being the Jürgen Klopp era at Anfield. Your Jürgen Klopp five aside teams are all going to pick the same one, aren't we? Well, we're certainly all going to pick the same goalkeeper, Kiva. Uh, I think I'm going to pick Jürgen Klopp himself. I know he's he's good at that paddle, as it likes to play that. But you know he was a player once. I think we forget that. Uh, get Jürgen in there and his his backroom staff. That's my my five aside. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> oh, that's all. That's all school Melwoods, isn't it? You know the staff playing the players and not not stopping. You know, going on all day until the staff win. You know, that's um, you know, that, that's pure Shankly. I like that. I like that, James. <laughs> what, what would you? Who would you think would be there? Yeah, I, 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 I was. It's a tricky one because I was, I was tempted to try and find room for Adam Lallana just because of that, you know, the big love in between him and Klopp. And I think, and I do think of the Klopp era. I think back to that opening game of his tenure at White Hart Lane and th- th- that that picture of Lalana dropping into his arms as he subbed him off and and Lalana having kind of epitomized what Klopp had asked for in terms of you know players that prepared to you know you know run through brick walls for him and the, the, the pressing and everything but no I, I think I'd have Lalana on the bench I'm gonna I'm gonna have it has to be Allison in goal that's that's a no-brainer it has to be Van Dijk defended on his own and then the three attackers it's got to be Salamani and Firmino, you know, I think you know maybe one day we'll be looking back and and and, and asking whether you know what, you know what was the best front three Liverpool had under Klopp, and and who knows it may well prove to be Diaz and 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 Gagpo and and Nunes in in that mix. But um, no, at the minute for me, when you look over the, the 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 course of the Klopp era, that. That front three of Salamane, Firmino, they they gave us so many incredible days. Sorry, in very Klopp fashion, I have to make a late substitution here and Divock Origi is coming into my <laughs> five-a-side team to score, to score in the 90-plus-6 minutes. Came out to Van Dijk. It's, uh, actually, it's led to Origi. Look at Jürgen Klopp! The daftest derby goal of all time and it's won the day for Liverpool! Well, yeah, I mean, especially if they're playing Everton, you know, it's, uh, that, that'd be perfect. No, I think, um, you know, you, you look at some of the players we've had, and there, there, there's some fantastic players. I mean, for me, you know, just to be a little bit different, I'd give Carrius a chance to rehabilitate himself. I think uh, the midfield would be, you know, uh, be set anchored by the man who did more to change the way Liverpool play than probably anyone else. Coutinho, you know, we'd, we'd have to have, have him in there. But no, that, I, I, I think you make a really good point, James, that front three was something else. And again, I think we will need perspective to understand how great they were. I think we're too close to it. And um, yeah. it would just, um, again... Uh, one of the things, I mean, I've said this before to you, you know, I, I used to be really smug and sit there and go, you know, talk to all the young people and go, yeah, you know, you're having a good time supporting Liverpool. You'll never see where I saw, you know, on them. And all <laughs> of a sudden it turns out they saw 
It's been better than anything I'd seen previously. This has been a golden age. And, you know, back to this theme of social media, sometimes you'd think we've been in a slump throughout of it. This, the, the, the last, particularly the last five years, has just been a remarkable time. And last season was, I'd never seen anything like it. So, I mean, enjoy it. it, it, it and I think too often... People stop enjoying football. They, they forget that it's supposed to be fun. They get angry about it. Well, it's not. It's fun. And it's particularly fun here on Walk On, the Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. So thanks to James and Kiva and you, the listeners, for joining us. I hope you're having fun. Remember, right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just $1.99 a month for the first 12 months. $1.99 a month. You know what? If you're not subscribing, you don't like football. It's as simple as that. You know, to take advantage of their offer, all you need to do is go over to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. The Athletic.